All right, my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast, very fun episode. I'm excited for you to listen to this. We have first impressions. They mean more than you think, and they're influencing how you're running your business. Let me tell you how. We have a little bit of office talk. We're talking numbers, closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, the ultimate OD podcast. Again, as always, love the emails. Keep them coming. Iron sharpens iron. I like to help you get better. You ask me questions makes me get better. We're going to make each other successful in 2023. So, Keep reaching out. I appreciate the reviews. Give us five star give us five star reviews, like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Whatever you have for social media, please reach out and connect with us. Now, I want you to be on the lookout for the Ultimate OD webinar mastermind series that we have coming up. I'll be open to a select few, the first one. Want to make sure it's really efficient that we have time for the individuals involved. But essentially, we have a topic. I'll kind of be moderating it going through. You know, if no one has input or whatnot, I will, I'll guide the discussion. So it'll be a webinar type thing. But my goal is for it to be interactive, for us to throw ideas out there and talk about the things that we're doing in our offices so we can make each other better. The Ultimate OD Podcast is nationwide, multiple different countries. We're not going to step on each other's toes. So this is going to be awesome. This is going to be a place for us to grow. This is the next step in the evolution, my friends, for us to be better, to be a community that keeps improving. All right. Today we are talking about first impressions. Now, this might blow your mind. This is uh, comes from a book that I just got done reading I believe it was called Think Twice. I'm not sure. I listened to a podcast by the author, looked it up on Audible. I believe it was free. Good listen. But let me lay out a scenario for you, okay? So you love to eat. You love to go out to restaurants, and there's a new restaurant in town. You hear it's awesome. It's getting good reviews. So you and your wife decide to try it out on a Friday night, all right? So it's Friday night. They've been open for about four months. You go there, you make a reservation, it is busy, it's packed, and when you get there, you talk to the hostess, and they're like, we are so sorry, we overbooked, Uh, there'll be a little bit of a wait for your table. And you're like, all right, you know, not great, you had a reservation, but it's busy, so you're excited, you've heard such good things. Well, it's a 45 minute wait till you get a table. You get seated, and you can tell that the server is new, all right? He messes up your drink order. He's super nice and he, you know, you can tell he's learning, but mistakes happen. Super nice. He's like, I'm going to comp your drinks, takes your order, and the food is amazing. All right. You get a steak, medium rare, potatoes, vegetables. You're having a great time. Good conversation with your wife. She loves her food. And like, Half hour into dinner, you're like, where is our waiter been? You know, like, I'm my drink's empty now. I've finished my food for the past, like, 10 minutes. And you're just waiting for them to come. 
and it takes them about 15 to 20 minutes after that. And the server's like, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, here's your bill. And then by the time he comes back to get it, you're just, you know, you want to try the dessert. You've heard good things, but you're just ready to leave. All right. It was a good experience because the food was good, but, you know, you had to wait 45 minutes. The server was new. They obviously were a new restaurant. How do you feel about that? All right. Are you going to go there again? We'll see. Let me give you another scenario. All right. Restaurant B. Heard good things. You go. Again, it's a busy Friday night. They overbook you, but because it was their mistake, they seat you in their exclusive VIP room upstairs. You order drinks, place your order. The server not only brings out your food, but he has complimentary wine to go with your steak because he thinks it will pair really well. And he just he's apologizing for them you know, messing up your reservation and trying to make it right for you. You know, you and your wife have great conversation. Because you're in the VIP room, there's servers that are just waiting there. You make eye contact, you raise your hand. They're there. They're waiting on you. You get the dessert. It's amazing. It's a great night. Better than you even could have expected. All right. So now if I ask you restaurant A or restaurant B, which one do you think you're going to go back to? All right. I'm pretty sure most of us are going to say restaurant B. All right. Now, let me further develop this idea. If you go back to restaurant B, what do you think the odds are they're going to give you as great of an experience as the first time? Right. Really probably pretty low, right? They went above and beyond. They took care of you. You have this built up idea in your head of what to expect. Can they possibly live up to that? Seriously, can can they? Maybe if they're that good. But my guess is you're going to go there. Even if you don't get the VIP room, they give you good food, the waiter's good. It's not going to be as new and not going to be as novel. You're not going to have the same thing. You're still probably going to enjoy it. All right. Now let's look at restaurant A. What are the odds that they're going to be as bad as they were on the first time? Also, probably pretty low. They've gotten good reviews. They're growing. There's, there's a good vibe about them. You got them on a bad night, right? There's a new server. They overbooked. They were new. The odds are they're going to be better than they were. The food will still be good, but you're going to get a better experience. All right. Now, here's the question. After your first experience at each restaurant, are you ever going back to restaurant A? Maybe not. You tried it out and you just had this bad taste in your mouth. Restaurant B, even if you go and that second visit isn't quite as good, you're going to try it again. You have a positive connotation. You have the right first impression, right? What I'm actually talking about is all things in life eventually regress to the mean. If you get really good, you're eventually going to come back down. If you're really poor, you're going to come back up, okay? However, How many decisions are we making in life based on one experience in a very small sample size, right? The majority of what we do is going to be based on that first impression. What do you take away from this? How does this apply to optometry? Think about your patients that are coming into your office. If you're starting cold, if you're trying to attract new patients and you get new patients into your office, How do you treat them? What is the first impressions they go through? All right. 
if you give a good first impression, if you come through that first time, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You've built goodwill. They're going to keep coming back to that first initial visit. All right. This is directly related to how you're running your business. Okay. Answering your phones, preparing insurances, billing them. I had a patient come in the other day. She, her daughter went to Grand uh, ophthalmology office because the pediatrician referred her there. The doctor she loved, like it came out, but the billing. So she went there. She has amblyopia. The follow-up visit was through their medical. They have a high deductible plan. And it was like $300 for that follow-up visit. She came to me and I'm like, you know, I generally with this because she was like 20, 60. If they're 20, 30 or, or better, I'll see them and I can monitor, do a little patching. They're 20, 60. I, I don't like that. I want the, want the pediatric ophthalmologist or someone that does peds more than me to handle that. It's just not worth my time. That being said, she came to me and she's like, well, why would they build this this way? And I kind of explained, this is why they do this. They're doing this just like if you came in and you had glaucoma, I did my vision exam on you, but the follow-up visits are going to be under your medical insurance. She got the analogy, right? She was essentially coming to me because the billing department, not the doctor, the billing department wasn't answering her questions and she got a bill that she didn't like. You know what I did? I referred her right back over to that because she liked the doctor. Okay? But that office GRO lost a patient because they handled it that way. All right? Pricing issues. I have... Oh, it bothers me so much. Uh, we have a new patient. They go through. They buy like two, three pairs of glasses. And my staff charges them wrong. Doesn't charge for a progressive. Doesn't charge for uh, the blue light filter or something. Just does math wrong, right? And new girl in the office was like calling him trying to like, no, bring this to me because I'm going to eat the cost on the initial visit. You may think I'm crazy or whatnot, but I believe in the power of first impressions, right? Now, again, I'm not going to lose money. I'm not losing money on the deal, right? I'm losing profit. I'm still making money, not as much as I could have, but I'm making a first impression, you mess up, and that's the taste they have in their mouth after you give them everything they wanted. They might not come back. They might go somewhere else. Oh, they, they're going to second guess you every time you do something. Right? You have to come through that first time. Your staff has to be trained to make a good first impression. Whatever it takes to make that patient happy. Trust me. This is human nature. These are the laws that we live by, that we let ourselves be governed by. You do it in your life, your patients are going to do it to you. All right? Especially clinics. This is one of my go-tos when I'm doing like stuff with dry eye. I'll come and I'll see it. I'll give them at-home therapy. I let them go for two, three months. See if they can fix it on their own. If they can, then by all means, we'll stay that course. If they can't, then we have advanced therapies. I'm building trust. I'm building rapport. If they just come in first time for exam for glasses and I'm offering like a you know, couple thousand dollar treatment, they might have a red flag on their head. Why has no one ever said this to me before? Why are you the only one saying this? You know, there's questions, right? So there's a process. At the same token, if someone scuffs with a dry eye eval, they're coming in looking for an answer. I'm going to go over it right away. Okay. But you have to know what 
the expectation is from the patient and how are you meeting that, that expectation? Are you setting a good first impression? Now, that's from the patient perspective. I want you to think of it from your own perspective as a doctor. Remember what I said. We are making too many decisions on a small sample size. All right. Have you ever tried to adjust office hours? And you go earlier, you go later, you get one or two patients that complain, one or, you know, a staff member that complains, you're like, oh, well, this is never going to work. I'm going to go back to the way it was. Or you add a new frame line and you give it about two months, it doesn't move. You didn't promote it with your staff. You didn't push it with your, uh, you know, with your opticians and you just drop it like that. Did you really give it a chance? Did you make a jump decision based on such a small sample size? Like, did you try it during the busiest time of the year or the slowest time of the year? What kind of patients did you see during that time frame? Is the market that you're looking for more of college kids and you did it during the summer when the college kids are gone, right? These are the things that we are doing on a day-to-day basis that are affecting our business and we're justifying them based on data that is faulty, all right? Dealing with a rep. Do you have a rep that has all the things that you want, but they... They are hard to deal with. Or you have a rep that you love that really has crappy product, but you like the rep and you keep letting them come back again and again because you like the person, right? What is the data actually telling you? You have to be disconnected from the emotion. We make so many decisions based on emotion. If you have a decision and then you wait a day or two and then look at the same decision, It's like not sending the email right away. In the heat of the moment, it makes sense, right? However, when you pull the emotion aside, you look at it, cooler minds will prevail. All right? What are you you letting influence your decisions that is affecting your business, that's affecting your ability to thrive and be a better office? So a story of two restaurants, a story of us, making decisions on small sample sizes. This is stuff that you need to be aware of. Open your eyes, be a better doctor, be a better business owner. We'll have more for you next week. All right, my friends, a little office talk. All right, we're the CEO of our practice. What are the three most important things you're going to do? Numbers, people, and culture. CEOs focus on those three main things, right? Marketing, part of numbers in my opinion. But we focus on those things, right? Well, let's break down the numbers. I've been really breaking these down the past six months in my office, okay? End of last year, this year, you know what? It's making a difference, okay? Things I like to know, my KPIs, my revenue per exam, optical revenue per exam, clinical revenue per exam, number of new patients. When I look at my P&L, I'm analyzing my cost of goods sold, my expenses, my payroll expense, doctor's expense, right? I'm looking at the rolling three months, rolling six months, rolling 12 months. You'd be surprised the patterns that you see, all right? In addition... Profit First, Michael McCallowitz. Read the book. Apply it. It makes a huge difference. I tried it once, did it kind of the wrong way. Doing it the right way this time where 
those those other buckets that you talk about, profit, capex, taxes, owner's pay, is in a separate account that I don't look at every day. I have a checking account that's my operating expenses, right? I am so much more efficient. I don't spend money frivolously. I have budgets. My office is running leaner and more efficient than it ever has. It's because I'm paying attention to these numbers. I'm looking at marketing and seeing the return I have, seeing where my money is being best invested, and I'm reinvesting, I'm doubling down on those areas, okay? These are things that you need to know. You need to know your margins. Have you looked at the margins on your contact lenses? Have you looked at the margins in your optical? Are you leaving money on the table? All right. These are things you need to know. This is how you adjust your, your, your fees to be more profitable. These are what the CEOs of actual businesses are doing. Are you just going through blindly or are you looking at the numbers that matter? All right, look at the numbers that matter. The three things that I've, at, I've, I've done the most, one, contact lenses, all right? I'm looking at the cost, my margins. Some of them were really good. Some of them were really bad. If you don't want to do for every single contact, find out your best sellers. Take your top 10 or your top 10 families. Find out what your cost is. Find out what you're selling for and set your margins. Know what they're going to be so when you prescribe a lens, it's not only best for the patient, but it's best for the business. Also, look into shipping contacts to your patients. Something I'm going to start installing in quarter two this year. I've factored the cost into my margins. It's going to cut down on staff time. It's going to cut down on my accounts receivable because they'll have to pay for them before they get shipped. I'll have more space because we're not storing these lenses. We're not going to have to track down patients that aren't picking up their contacts it's a win-win, all right? I wouldn't have done that if I didn't look at the numbers. Marketing money. I've been really looking at my new patient percentage. I've been very fortunate. The lifetime of my practice, I've averaged anywhere from 30 to like 35% new patients every month over month over month. Now, I'm 12 years in, and I'm still at about that 25 to 30% mark. But again, I know where I want to be. Now I can allot marketing money to focus on this one specific task. If you're just marketing without a purpose, not as good as having a focus, having a goal. The people that help you with this need to know what your goal is and how you're going to track it. By looking at the numbers, I can go back to the marketing team and be like, hey, we are not coming through on this. We need to increase this percentage. If you're just going blindly, you're not going to know if it's working or not. So have a way to track it. Last thing, because I've invested in my dry eye clinic, because I'm talking to everyone about lid hygiene, warm compresses, doing these advanced procedures, I'm carrying it and stocking it in the office. It made sense, right? Well, I'm up $11,000 year to date in accessories because of my dry eye clinic, the stuff I'm selling in office. 11K. And I'm not even done with one quarter. So we'll call that if I'm do the math right, I'll be 12 to 15K. We're going to go 15K for the high side. Could you guys use another 60 grand of revenue? Yes. That'd be really great, right? I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't be able to justify it if I wasn't tracking the numbers. So look at the numbers. They matter. They'll make you a better owner. They'll make your practice better. We'll have more for you next week.
Where, oh where, has the time gone? We're to the closing thought of the episode, and today I will leave you with this thought. We need to get out of our minds that selling is a bad word, all right? Selling is helping, okay? When people come to a car lot, you're going to sell them a car. Yes, but you know what they're doing? They're the most qualified lead you will ever have. They are trying to find an answer to their problem. They need a car, and lo and behold, you have a whole lot of cars that you can help them with, right? Help them find the car they need, all right? If you think about that, you're like, okay, I guess they're really just helping me solve my problem. We have people that come to our office on a daily basis that need glasses or contacts, right? And you know what we have in our office? Glasses and contacts. Mind blown, right? Who is going to give them a better pair of glasses? You or Zenny? You better say you. Who is going to take better care of their eyes in their contacts? You or 1-800-CONTACTS? You better say yourself. If you can't say you on both of those accounts, you need to look yourself in the mirror and find out why you don't think you're better than those entities. I guarantee I care more. They're my patients. I'm going to take care of them. You know what Apple does? They make all their stuff internal. Like iPads and the Apple Watch and the iPhone. They're all their own internal universe. Do you know why Steve Jobs did that? Because he didn't want to have the greatest technology known to man and have some crappy, you know, tech guy design an app for it, put it on his machine, and then people complain about the iPad because a crappy app is making it run inefficiently. He's going to control the apps that work on his stuff, and he's going to be better for it because he controls it end to end. You're going to be a better doctor. Your patients are going to be more happy if you are the one selling them their glasses, their contacts. You're the one taking care of them, right? Selling is not a dirty word. You are helping them be the best they can be, and you're the expert, you're the professional, you care more. Get that in your heads. Be the doctor that helps the most patients. That's what I have for you. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.